The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant. Thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. And in uh, this feature, Thought Leaders, Storytellers and Griots, we like to look at uh, that tagline of the Sunday show, which is small stories, big ideas, massive inspiration, stories that are between the pages and stories that certainly make us think, huh, did that happen? And what on earth? And I have to say the first story is definitely one of those. So there have been two stories this week that have like caught my eye. And the one was that someone counterintuitively has decided to open a theater in Melville even during the time of COVID. And I'm like, how does that work? So we'll find out more about that and keep you updated on that. And the second one is counterintuitive as well when the publisher and CEO of the Daily Maverick says, you know what? We're going to open a newspaper. Everything's shutting down. Magazines are shutting down. And no, Daily Maverick says, we're going to open a newspaper. I love it. You've got to be ahead of the game all the time. So on the line with us, we have uh, Staly Charalambus, who is the publisher and CEO of the Daily Maverick. Staly, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me. And happy Women's Day to all our listeners. Thank you so much. What a crazy story. I love it. Every second and every word of it. Opening a newspaper, how, why in this time? Yeah, it's something, it's an idea we've been kicking around for a couple of years and um, the stars have sort of aligned in the last couple of years after you know, a massive growth spurt in our organization. Our newsroom uh, doubled in size. We're one of the few newsrooms around the world that have, um, you know, have experienced growth in the last couple of years. You know, news media publishing around the world has been in a very, very tough space. Yeah. Um, and somehow our, our hybrid model has, you know, has helped us grow. And in that, we needed to look for ways to sort of, you know, take advantage and to really maximize on the breadth and the volume of content that we're putting out these days. And, um, you know, long-form analysis, investigations, opinions that we've become known for over the last decade really lean uh, towards the printed form as, as a good medium for that. And so, you know, that was the, the basis for, you know, the, the um, idea. Uh, we then went out, we did, uh, uh, looked at a lot of research, we spoke to a lot of people, we spoke to our listeners, uh, to our readers, um, we spoke to our team, and we spoke to people in the industry, and we saw what, what was happening with um, COVID, and, um, you know, the demand for quality journalism was only going up. Um, but yes, there, you know, there were, there were challenges with the, with the business model of printed newspapers and how they're done. And so we, we came up with a, with a new and innovative model for, um, uh, putting this out into the world. And we're hoping that it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be the success that we think it can be. So, Sally, when are you hoping to, uh, make this all happen? So we've started um, a, voting, a voting process where we are asking prospective readers of the paper to vote on which pick-and-pay store is most convenient for them and that yeah. they would like us to launch with. Uh, so we're really engaging and taking into account um, the needs of our readers with this project on, on many levels. So it starts with that. Uh, that is going to build up to a pilot that we're doing at the end of August. And uh, at the end of September, once we've got, um, you know, the results of the pilot and we've, you know, checked out the logistics around delivery and, um, you know, getting the papers and getting the stuff printed and, you know, the new team that are coming on board and, you know, assigned to putting this together, we're hoping that uh, we'll launch uh, in the last week of September. 
Um, what's interesting about the, this model is that we're also, and the reason we're working with Pick and Pay, apart from the fact that they you know, are existing clients of ours and, and um, believe in this crazy idea that it yeah. could just be crazy enough to work, um, is that it's also going to be free for Pick and Pay smart shopper cardholders. Um, wow. And so that is going to be a way that we're going to be able to make it more accessible. We're going to be able to reach new readers. And together with that uh, membership base and our own membership base, uh, that we're hoping we can get to a critical circulation number uh, a lot quicker than if we'd gone the traditional route. Stali, is it going to be the same um, material and information and content as what we read online on a daily basis? So, uh, firstly, um, Michelle, the the, um, the thing with that is that even our most loyal and engaged readers yeah. um, barely touch two to three percent of what we put out in a normal week. Wow. So, uh, we are going to uh, repackage uh, a lot of the content that's been online already, but we're going yeah. to be adding visual journalism uh, elements to that. We're going to uh, the entire uh, newspaper is going to be a lot more visual. It's going to be edited and repackaged and put to be curated and put together as this complete uh, important one of the most important stories from the week, as well as new articles and stories that have yet to be published. So it's going to be this combination of best of the week, most important stories of the week, and new and important stories you haven't seen yet all packaged together in a, in a complete newspaper product. So this is going to be like a Sunday newspaper? It's going to be a weekend newspaper. It's going to come out on Saturday mornings. Yeah. And uh, obviously the, the further out um, uh, areas are probably going to get it on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that it's, it's a good weekend read and that um, you know it, it's able to play that role of uh, both having those um, topics that divert you from the news cycle um, with interesting bits. And obviously, we've got amazing cartoonists and um, yeah. uh, arts, culture, life, uh, food, business, sports, um, investigations, current affairs, international, the whole breadth of content. Really, our biggest challenge here is what do we leave out? Okay, so the implication of this is that actually advertising is working really well for you guys. I mean, I, I read this and I hear you talk and I say, okay, this, this is not something you do when you're down on your knees. This is something to do when you like up and about and, and making things happen. Is it uh, as good as that in a time when we're hearing that advertising is shrinking on a variety of levels? Yeah, you know, Michelle, the, the good thing uh, about being born into the fire of digital news publishing is that you really are, you know, you, you're born into the toughest uh, part of this business. And, um, you know, we've been in it for the last 10 years, and digital news publishing is probably the hardest place of all the media to, to be able to make things mm. work. And, you know, we've hustled um, and we've experimented and we've survived and we've thrived in the last 10 years. So, for have, us, yeah. we're, looking, we're looking at this, uh, you know, there's still... Uh, a big chunk of money left in in the printed advertising sector. Yeah. Um, it is decreasing, that is true, um, but there's still quite a bit left. And because of our lean setup, and yeah. you know that our environment has never allowed for us to be, um, you know, uh, to take on exorbitant or unnecessary costs, um, we've got a pretty lean operation, and this allows us to expand into a new market that still has a lot of legs left in it. Um, and for not a great uh, amount of cost. So for us, it was, it was also about the numbers. Can it work? Can we get this out? Have we got enough runway to make a dent and to build a name in this uh, in this sector? And you know, at a time when 
others are really having to relook at their operations and relook at how they at the same time need to digitally transform their businesses while you know trying to navigate navigate um you know the evolution and and the and the slightly declining size of this industry mm. whereas we don't have the digital transformation problem we're a digital first publisher this is a complementary product to everything that we do, both in uh, the editorial as well as the commercial side of it. You know, it's so interesting, and to use a term or a word that I can't bear, it really is disruptive because, as you say, you've all, you, you started out as an online newspaper. So counterintuitively, you are going back to newspapers. And in many ways, if we look at the book world, um, it does seem as though for a lot of people that happened as well as that they said, no, we're all going to go into ebooks and then started to realize that there is still a huge community that says, well, actually, I prefer the real thing. Yeah, you know, we're uh, we're calling this campaign. Um, you know, we're going back to the future with it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, there, there are a couple of elements to that. I think, uh, first of all, um, it, we do need to go back to the future with this because there are some core principles and needs that people have that we oh. are addressing and looking to serve. But we have to do it in a different way. We have to use data and technology to get smart and more efficient about how we put this together, how we distribute it, how we get that feedback and how we keep iterating and evolving and improving the product and the service to our readers. Um, There is also, as you mentioned, um, the the need or the desire um, to have a tangible product in their hands that people can finish, which is also something that we've has come up quite a bit in our, in our research is, um, uh, you know, this deluge of endless scroll and the abyss of digital content and not knowing who you can trust and, you know, re- starting to read something and then, a, a, you know, a, no- a red notification from another app hijacking your attention and taking you off down a rabbit hole. Um, so this is, you know, we looked at all of this and, and the pushback against the screen and, and we're seeing, you know, even the, the handset manufacturers putting in screen time monitoring applications yes, yeah. and we're seeing the mental health effects um, in a lot of places, studies showing how it's affecting, you know, everyone from teenagers to uh, to older people, the effect that it's having on us um, mm. and, and our psyches. And so all of this kind of put together goes, you know, uh, people really do want something that is a quality read that they can lean back on a weekend, spend a couple hours with it over a cup of coffee or two, <laughs> sharing sections with a with a partner in bed on weekend, you know, and that habit was something that people said that they really missed and would love to see it coming back and have the, you know, the quality journalism to be able to enable that. And um, you, and that came back strongly in, in our research and our, in our just, speaking to, to, to readers. Very briefly, you, you mentioned sharing it with your partners and that kind of thing, and you raise a very important thing, is that obviously um, there's a very specific audience that currently reads The Daily Maverick. Um, but once you go to a print uh, uh, space, A, one could start to say you could become, you could really drive a very different demographic. It also means that you start to think about peri-urban and rural areas as well, where there is a greater digital divide. Are you thinking about that? Does that mean that your content might change slightly? Um, yeah, well, it has to change because in, in digital, even though we do reach quite a large audience now, I mean, we, we hit a peak of 4.5 million unique visitors in the month of April, 
um, as you know, COVID drove a lot of people to trusted news sources, and we were one of them. Um, so it's quite a big, diverse audience. The, 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 the difference there is that people pick and choose what they want to read, and so they read a little bit of this, or they read only what they're interested in, yeah. and so they don't get that full sort of serviced offering and that curated offering from editors in, in terms of a completed package. Um, but you are quite correct that even as a free online news publisher, that still is a barrier um, to entry for a lot of people where data is so expensive in this country, um, especially the fact that we also have a lot of visuals on our, on our website and we quite we use a lot of photos and images, and so you know that can also be a barrier to entry with the amount of data that's required. Um, and that is also why we decided to work with Pick and Pay as, as our distribution yeah, partners. Yeah. They have outlets all over the country. Um, they have a massive uh, audience and probably the most advanced and biggest uh, loyalty program in the country. And those two factors also made it a good launch part, made them launch great launch partners for us because we can get to new audiences. We can get to new readers who might not either have known about us um, or have not yet experienced us. Um, and be able to offer them uh, access to a great quality journalistic product in this way at no cost to them. So when does the first one come out? Uh, Pilot end of August, if all goes well, and we're able to uh, test and tweak everything that we need to, and the new team, the rest of the team comes on board. End of September should be the greater national launch. We love it. We look forward. Staili Karalambus, who's the publisher and CEO of Daily Maverick, as I said, counterintuitive. We love what they're doing.